0: Welcome to Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy. Before we go back to the normal weekly episodes in August, I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And three times a week, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday, I'm going to be speaking with a different comedian. You can go to threadup.co.uk for our counselling professional partners. They're there to support you. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy. For as little as £5 a month, you get access to loads of bonus content, including the longer uncut version of this very episode. Exclusive video and audio, plus free tickets to future live shows. Psychomedy.co.uk so for all the links. Your donations really help us out to keep this podcast going. Enjoy the show. Joining me today on Psycomedy, it's Evelyn Mock. Evelyn, hello.
1: Hi, Nathan.
0: Hi. How are you?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: I'm pretty pretty good. Pretty good. You're in beautiful Sweden. I say beautiful. I've never been. <laughs> but I hear, I hear it's beautiful.
1: It is quite nice, especially now that it's summertime. It's a uh, kind of breezy, easy, corona-free Sweden.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. That's weird. That's, that's the tourist line, isn't it? Corona. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah I've
0: been listening to your brilliant podcast rice to meet you with Nigel ung it's really fantastic I love it it's uh great oh
1: thank you so much
0: yeah so you're one talk- of our
1: oh you're <laughs> one of our two white listeners <laughs> yeah
0: I should become a patron as uh, do I get special privileges as a white listener yes <laughs> that's why you should have, you have a patron just the for, podcast <laughs> the 50 dollar white listener patron
1: yeah <laughs> reparations that'd be
0: great <laughs> um so yes what about comedy what about comedy it's uh the government announced here that on the 4th of july we can basically do anything in the uk apart from stand up comedy which was a nice <laughs> <laughs> which was which was a nice announcement to hear um i should have listened to my parents and done another job yeah apart from comedy and theater i can't think of any other jobs really that uh you can't do now and uh, yeah but Boris Johnson (laughs) was asked yesterday um, he was asked what are you looking forward to doing on the 4th of July when restrictions are eased and his immediate his immediate response was oh well uh, going to the theatre maybe it's like Boris that's one of the two things you can't (laughs) do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i think someone whispered in his ear they said boris that's one of the two things you can't do And he, he quickly tried to dig himself out of that hole by saying well you know theater in the future not on the fourth of july obviously but um what are the what are the prospects of stand-up comedy coming back to sweden
1: that's so funny um well here it's sort of didn't really stop fully okay. <laughs> You've been gigging, have you? You've been the one person gigging. Yeah, exactly. I've been the one guy (laughs) out there. Um, No, well, so, I mean, obviously most uh, clubs have stopped, but then there are, um, I think, maybe a handful, maybe even like two or three that have sort of kept going. Have you been doing stuff?
0: Have you been doing stuff? on?
1: I've I've not been doing stuff no because okay. I I've been extra careful with um okay. because I'm I'm with my parents so I'm like eh, I'm not going to do things unless they're necessary. Mm-hmm. Um and so but but my friends who who run nights they've just sort of limited to 40 people because here the restriction is under 50. Yeah. Um and so they've limited it to 40 people and then just spaced it out. Yeah, uh, and then they also have like outdoor gigs, so you can be in a garden and yeah. spaced it out.
0: Um, but I love Sweden. I love Sweden. <laughs> As like, why didn't I know this? I could have moved to Sweden for the three months. You,
1: yeah, everybody could have come here. <laughs> yeah, why? Why did we do that? It's um... so funny. <laughs> but like, just I don't know. Mentally, it's just weird because it feels like I've because out of all my friends, I've been the one who's been most um preaching social distancing and preaching like being really hardcore um just doing what you're supposed to do according to like the nhs or the uk yeah. and i feel like i'm i almost feel like a conspiracy theorist <laughs> talking to them about this because they're like you're being a bit like intense right now and then i'm like well you'll see you'll see in a few months if we don't do this like sweden's gonna be crazy like it's everybody's gonna die and then it's been a few months and everybody's okay (laughs) so yeah interesting
0: but yes no comedy in the uk no prospect of it no no edinburgh i'm looking for yes any any work you've got at all i can no I can do nothing apart from comedy really um, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah no no Edinburgh this year are you gonna be are you gonna be missing missing that i uh listened to another few podcasts you've been on, and um one thing you said about Edinburgh was it kind of becomes overwhelming at some points, as I know, as probably most comedians know that I've done edinburgh are you are you going is there some relief in not having to Experience that this year,
1: oh yeah, absolutely- like I feel like this is the perfect excuse, <laughs>
0: <laughs> God, I could hear the relief in your voice,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is great. um, I think, yeah, Edinburgh is really has for me at least been very mentally exhausting. I think for every person who's up there performing and um under some kind of industry pressure mm. uh, especially comedians i guess because comedians the uh, supposed edinburgh experience is so carved in um there's almost as if there is a correct way of doing edinburgh mm. that we all get kind of laden with and if you digress from that route you just feel like you're automatically doing something bad or not achieving what you're supposed to achieve in Edinburgh and I think that for me personally that pressure is so unhealthy I and also I think it's mixed in with a lot of um, uh, a, a lot of personal kind of things that have I've gone through with like relationships that haven't been, or friendships that haven't, which I thought were friendships that haven't been very constructive for yeah. me as a person. And so like, which affected my self-confidence and everything when it comes to, when it comes to like just doing comedy. And so having that in the baggage and then going up to Edinburgh, where you're supposed to be judged on your ability to do comedy. Yeah. Um, and then also supposed to be judged on it, by doing it the right way hash like in citation marks the right way yeah. um is incredibly stressful i feel yeah. um and then it's also like this thing of okay but it's just inside of your head so try to not think about it but then well it's not just in your head because you're told by producers and you're told by um your your agent and you're told by uh the pr company that you're with, um, that this is the way and then also just if it is that somebody else get picked for something and you didn't get picked for that and it's just so blatant um the kind of weird hierarchy up there i think yeah yeah um and i think that it can really get to you if you aren't very experienced um going up there yeah. uh, basically or very kind of mentally strong With those things,
0: you summed up the mental health pressures of Edinburgh perfectly. There, everything you said there was like, (laughs) yes, and it's what a lot of people don't realise that the mental health pressures there, and coupled with the, I guess, the lip service that's paid towards supporting mental health uh, issues up there, which is very little support. And I know, well, hopefully that's going to be improved in years to come, but just what you said about yeah personal relationships it's what reviewers or people coming to watch the show of course they would have no um no idea or you know about what (laughs) what we're going through um because things are heightened there aren't they relationships can go wrong friendships relationships everything is heightened and you can i can remember it was all it was all like a breeze for me for many years and then a couple of years ago it's like when relationships or you know personal friendships are going badly you could be walking out of a terrible situation and then straight onto a stage yeah. literally seconds later um, yeah, and you've got a reviewer in or whatever and it's just like oh my god what is happening with my head here and i've really kind of i've really worked on that in the in the last couple of years to kind of i was, i guess i was ignoring psychological issues and now i think i'm healthier psychologically and ready to deal with all those things much much better i mean i studied psychology but i was kind of ignoring my head for many years thinking i'm fine i'm fine this kind of pressure this madness in edinburgh is fine and now i think um, i've sorted it out a little bit you know
1: That's amazing. So yeah, because I was going to ask you, like, because you studied uh, psychology, Mm. like just coming into comedy must be like a minefield (laughs) (laughs) of of, like, you're like, oh my god, there's so much here to like, just analyze and everybody's behavior. Because like, I think we've probably both met people who you're like, okay, you're definitely behaving this way because of something that's happened in your life and yeah okay Like <laughs> it, it must be so so what have been the um what have you sort of kind of conclude or kind of well, found when you've tried to um it's a it's only
0: yeah I mean a a couple of years ago I started thinking about it more because I guess as I say things were kind of going pretty easily in terms of mental health you know for many years in comedy and then I guess it's only been really since I started doing this which is only a year ago talking to other comedians regularly because when you talk to comedians you're often not talking about mental health issues are you in the back of a car or in a uh, in a green room it's like shut the fuck up I'm trying to I'm just about to go on stage. Why are you talking about my psychology? So it's only been this year when I've really been talking to detail. I'm like, oh my God, you know, we, I knew this kind of, but I'd never talked to people like this. And this is one of the fascinating things about this that we're all going through things to a little or a great extent. But I think what joins us all is. Uh, maybe with one or two exceptions Um, and they're the really annoying people that uh, they're they're like me 10 years ago they're like what are you talking about this is all a breeze Um, (laughs) without exception really we're all going through something and a lot of us are going through you know quite significant mental health challenges um, Mm -hmm. that need need support and edinburgh absolutely is the edinburgh is the end of our year but it's almost the pinnacle of our mental health it can be the pinnacle of our our mental health um issues and um as you say in in some ways the relief of not having it it gives you just a little bit more time to look at i mean god we could talk for hours about edinburgh and just the, the what you were saying about the the accepted way also of doing edinburgh and that was That got me thinking that the accepted industry way of doing Edinburgh is to do one of those big venues, get lots of publicity, sell out, and as a performer, make absolutely no money at all yourself. And that's the accepted way. And it's absolutely crazy that, and of course it happens because in the arts there's way too much supply um for the demand millions of people wanted to be you know millions of people wanted to be plumbers we'd have free plumbing all the time (laughs) (laughs) it is still crazy isn't it that that's the accepted model and surely hopefully i don't know out of this maybe something will change for next year but i don't know if it will everything's going to go back to normal isn't it i'm not sure
1: well exactly and it's like it, it is that thing of like as you say like in the comedy industry now, there has been a lot of um, awareness raised for mental health, but then <laughs> we still put everybody into this pressure cooker. That's yeah. Edinburgh. And it's like, hey, just do this this way. No, we don't care what how you feel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully next year there'll be some kind of difference. I, I don't know. It's like, I'm quite surprised that they did cancel Edinburgh this year because of how much money yeah is lost cuz i i think one of the ways that edinburgh is the way it is is because it's financially such a success for um the venues or for uh, for the people who actually own the property that all the shows are in and yeah. for the city of edinburgh uh, uh, in itself probably hmm. but yeah it there's nothing there's no care for the performers really yeah um which is a very sad thing
0: yeah i mean i've kind of tiptoed around it previously on this when i mentioned it once or twice but the edinburgh fringe must give more money to mental health of performers they must do because i know i i know some things that've gone on behind the scenes where people have approached them to do some mental health work and there's been no money made available and it is um it is crazy, and hopefully that will change. Um, people have had a year off to reflect, um, but yes, we will, we will, we will see. We can be, we can be optimistic. Maybe uh, another thing I heard you, you, mm-hmm. you talk about on another podcast was um, when comedy goes well or badly. You were relating both to vo- your vulnerability on stage, which I thought was quite interesting. You said something like, "If it's gone well, you've managed to." be vulnerable with the audience and you then you sword with the audience and if it's gone badly it's because you don't want to be vulnerable on stage and you end up being vulnerable and they don't like it you know so you've related both doing well in stand-up and doing badly in stand-up to your vulnerability which I which I thought was really interesting do you remember saying that and
1: I do. I think I, I. Yeah, I can't remember where I said it, mm. but that <laughs> definitely sounds like me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that, that's a really nice way of summing up a, t- a certain type of comedy, which is mm-hmm. I'm telling you things that I maybe wouldn't tell other people. I'm being vulnerable, and you're going to either go with it or it's going to go badly. You know.
1: Yeah, and I think I realized that because um, I think I realized that after I started doing our shows where. I, I just bas- basically the Edinburgh format of a show, which is like, tell something that's happened in your life to an audience and try to make it funny. Mm. Um, and oftentimes it's so difficult. And I think just my skills as a comic hadn't developed enough. But also I think foremost, it was the vulnerability thing because I, um, I believe that comedy is honesty. At least that's that's how I want to approach my comedy. I want to be honest. Mm. Um, but the the forum that I'm doing it through is jokes so but it's always gonna be like an honest perspective of the world that I have or an opinion or um, uh, or a feeling about mm. something. And so uh, you need to be vulnerable to do that because you're basically revealing this kind of private part of yourself uh to an audience Mm. and so it is that thing of you need to um be strong enough and comfortable enough i think to to handle the kind of anxiety that comes with that and i think that one thing that i discovered When I started doing our shows because when I do club sets it is a version of me but um I'm quite shielded I think because if uh if you you've seen me do like a just like a spot somewhere and it's very much like it's kind of uh it's a bit almost aggressive like sexually aggressive in a way <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I miss your sexual aggression <laughs> my sexual aggression um that's well, that that, was...
0: that, that's gonna be the title of your next show isn't it sexual aggression. Yeah.
1: <laughs> sexual aggression <laughs> and then just me holding like a stuffed animal looking very cutesy <laughs> um yeah because I found because pr- personally I, I think I was take, I was being the way on stage that I am that I felt like I couldn't be in my private life. Because mm. in my private life, I'm very prudish and I'm not very sexually experienced or very experienced with relationships. Like, I lost my virginity um, at 25
0: mm.
1: uh, and I'm 32 now. So, we can talk about it. But, um, <laughs> and so uh, when I was doing comedy, that was often so when I was doing stand up, I almost became the opposite of that person um where i went on stage and did quite kind of rude jokes and my i would flirt with men from stage um and i would be very kind of um i don't i wouldn't call it sexually confident um i would call it i i made myself appear more promiscuous than i actually was sure. and i realized that that was probably that was a shield definitely but that was probably a way for me to get some kind of release uh, of that side of myself that i was denying to myself in my personal life and also it was a way of shielding that side of myself because almost like because i felt like well i had been made fun of it um Hmm. uh, i had been been made fun of being Uh, like a virgin until late in life by uh, some people that I'm not friends with today. And so I think that was a way for me then to kind of somehow stand up for myself or protect myself from being made fun of it. Um, But then when I went on to do like the Edinburgh show, I was like, okay, maybe I should talk about this experience and actually try to be honest uh, about my personal experience, um, but then I found that it was too much because i hadn 't uh, i hadn 't gone to therapy to talk about it so mm. and even though it may seem like uh like you know a place where you can work out your issues, like a stand up <laughs> stage is not therapy <laughs> uh, you yeah. need to go talk to somebody who who knows these things and so um, I think but that that is I think what I tried to do in my hour show, and so it made me feel super vulnerable and very uncomfortable and so yeah. I think that's what I was talking about on that podcast is that when I was strong enough or had the energy enough to um, kind of handle the anxiety that came with being that uh revealing on stage um like the show would go great it would be such a fun show but then other days when i just kind of wanted to curl up into a ball and and not tell people about this and just like it's like oh this is none of their business why am i doing this then the show would go horribly because i didn't want to reveal that side of myself to people because it was yeah. too personal um and so and, but at the time i didn't understand that that was what was going on
0: so you weren't doing any therapy at that time yeah working things out on stage which maybe need therapy rather than a stand-up audience that's that's uh, that's interesting and obviously important that if you if you're going through things then the therapy is great um where stand-up stand-up as a as an outlet um, it is an outlet but maybe it isn't the best outlet
1: Yes, exactly. I think um, uh, at the time I wasn't uh, doing therapy, uh, but by the time of my second, I think right after that, I started doing therapy because yeah. I was like, oh, I think I need to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A therapist
0: isn't going to call you shit and, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. A therapist. Yeah, exactly. Their a therapist's um, attention isn't going to be <laughs> like, <laughs> dependent on whether I make them laugh or not. <laughs> uh, and also, like, it, it was such a funny thing because I sometimes i would get like hen parties in who were just like "Woo!" like just wanted to have you know (laughs) yeah just wanted to have like vagina jokes and dick jokes and i was like and so i lost my virginity and then he ghosted me and then that made me feel and they're just falling asleep on the front row and it was just such a yeah it's such a weird um thing and I, I think there are definitely people who who have made beautiful shows. Like, um, I mean, obviously, Hannah Gatsby is the prime example. But then we have Mike Birbiglia, and in England, like Johnny Pelham's latest show, hmm. where he talked about um, yeah being abused as a child uh, after doing a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh is it's it, that's a brilliant show, and yeah. so I, I definitely think there's. Um, as a comic, you probably can work yourself there if that's where you want to go. Mm-hmm. But for me, at that time, was definitely um, not the the most optimal way of approaching it. Um, yeah,
0: and- yeah, yeah. That's really that's really interesting. Uh, just, just one more thing on on material um, related to what you were saying there about your club set versus your our show sets, I think maybe I'm totally wrong, so you can shut me down, but maybe in a club set, there is a tendency possibly to do jokes to put, that perpetuate stereotypes because you're playing to the masses and you assume people are more drunk yeah. and you assume people are, there are hen parties in and there are stag parties that don't want to listen to your very um, nuanced thing about losing your virginity at 25. And I just wonder whether... Anything that's going on in the world at the moment has changed your outlook in terms of how you are approaching uh, comedy that reflects uh, race and particular racial stereotypes.
1: I think uh, it's definitely like with everything that's going on, it's um, uh, it's that I think it's important for me when I've been thinking about it. It's that thing of I'm trying not to talk for anybody because it's really i am experiencing um i experience prejudice uh, and and racism and i've experienced you know like um uh institutional uh kind of discrimination and stuff yeah. um but at the same time it's the conversation now is about black lives matter and it's about the African-American experience predominantly, but then also about Black lives around the world and how that, in the West particularly, Mm. um, and how that is, uh, and police brutality against uh, Black people. And so it is that thing of, uh, there's so much that I can relate to in what's being said, um, but then there's so much that I am spared from just by being Asian. Mm. Um, And then there's another experience that is just uh related to being asian and so i'm i'm trying to not uh speak for anybody you know like the thing is you want to be an ally but then there's a difference between being an ally and being somebody who wants to kind of take them being kanye taking the mic from taylor swift <laughs> to support beyonce you know So <laughs> you don't want to be that um yeah so so it's kind of so I've been thinking about that but then uh it's also been the thing of where okay maybe I start from the beginning with with the with talking about being Asian and uh, my Asian experience in my comedy Mm -hmm. um I used to do that quite apologetically because I didn't I was always so afraid of uh, perpetuating stereotypes Mm. Um, and also I was always very aware that I was talking to a mostly white audience so I had to make my experience like palatable to them Mm. which would involve contextualizing it and um, it would almost involve uh, and then I would just kind of go over my material and try to be like oh but I can't say that because then that'll be like a stereotype that they uh, i'll be enforcing something i think Mm. um and that was because uh because like your jokes are your jokes until they leave your mouth then they get interpreted by the person (laughs) listening to them (laughs) and so that's really different and so I felt like I wanted to talk about my experience of being a diasporic uh, Asian mm-hmm. in the west but I never knew how they would be received and then so I did it very um, apologetically mm-hmm. and then I met Nigel Nigel Ong who's my co-host on rice to Meet You podcast and a brilliant uh, Malaysian comedian. Yeah. He grew up in Malaysia, and then he moved to the West as an adult, and he talks about his Asian experience unapologetically, and it's so funny, Mm. and I think it's appreciated by, you know, Asian audiences and, like, white audiences, like, everybody, really, because he does it so unapologetically, and Mm. also, I realize that all of these experiences, um, even though we're from different cultures, there are things that people relate to in the experiences um because there's a saying of the more um unique or the more specific the experience the more universal it is hmm. which is something that they say about script writing which is like yeah so that's why you should write about your experience blah 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 yeah um but and so when i saw nigel do that unapologetically i was like what is the difference between me and him really um oh it's because he well there are a lot of differences but i think it's because he grew up in malaysia and he never had that sense of being a minority um right yeah, yeah. but then uh, and so that's an, a difference but that's not an excuse because he still is performing on the same stages he's just doing it he's just doing his thing and he's just doing he's being unapologetic in delivering his world view and. That's the attitude he has. And so it is that thing of, oh, I have to employ that attitude if I want to talk about my experience and not care about what people would think about what I say. Yeah. And if it would be misinterpreted, then hopefully I would have the chance to um, explain myself. Um, and so that's what I've been sort of feeling now during this time as well, because. I've wanted to talk about uh, racism and growing up as a minority and being an Asian female um, living in in England and in Sweden and, and how that feels. But so I've become more almost angry. I think Uh, I'm almost, I, yeah, more kind of, okay, I want to talk about this. I'm going to do it unapologetically. And i need to do it honestly and then if somebody has an issue with it we can deal with it then mm. um like it's not to be confused with like i never want to offend anybody mm. that's never my intention when i do comedy i think that's never anybody's attention or at least the majority of people <laughs> uh, when they do comedy but um i need to be able to speak about my experience truthfully and yeah that's I, that's what i kind of um that's what I see when Dave Chappelle does stand up. He, I mean, because uh, he, uh, people are talking about um, some of his recent specials and there have been some controversies about the jokes that he's uh, said and done. Hmm. And though I don't agree with what he's saying, but I can see where he's coming from and how it relates to his experience. And he's speaking truthfully about that. Yeah. And so as a stand up, I appreciate that fully and that's the same thing with bill burr um i appreciate them fully for that but at the same time i don't necessarily have to agree with them
0: yeah that lack of apology unapologetic stand-up does make for great stand-up as you said bill burr dave chappelle unapologetic in other words there whatever i'm saying i'm being honest Uh, this is what i think fuck you if you you know if you don't agree with me that can lead to some really yeah great stand up
1: instead of like fuck you it's like oh you don't agree with me okay tell me why and we can talk about it kind mm. of i think is, is a yeah. Good way. yeah of... <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: but still fuck you if you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you if you disagree um <laughs> yeah yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. I can't wait to uh, for Edinburgh 2026 when we're allowed back
1: <laughs> exactly. on stages.
0: But you can do this in Sweden next week.
1: Yeah, I could. Um, you yeah. could do it
0: tom- tomorrow. No, I think it's going to lead to some. Mm great stand-up and I'm sure you'll be uh yeah you'll be doing some
1: there's actually stuff. um I will throw in this quote I'm gonna be that person I, I apologize but <laughs> but you're unapologetic <Evelyn. laughs> yeah on. I know actually I don't apologize I'm okay. gonna throw in this Fuck your podcast <laughs> um I was actually reading about uh Tina Fey she just um she's just had four episodes of 30 Rock pulled from uh Rotation Hmm. um because they had blackface in them yeah and there is this um there's this author let me see who wrote uh a book let me see Nicholas Salmond, Birth of an Industry um where he talks about uh racism and blackface in american entertainment and with regards to 30 rock uh, and the blackface he said If you perform racist behaviors and stereotypes in order to demonstrate their absurdity, do you deflate them or invest them with new life by destigmatizing them? Is the comic depiction of racism itself racist? And that's kind of such a great way of um, phrasing what that, that's what I've been thinking about constantly when it comes to talking about being Asian on stage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I like a quote. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> always end with a quote that's uh, always end with a quote. <laughs>
1: that's
0: that's always been my motto
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice beautiful evelyn thank you so much that was uh such a wonderful conversation and please listen to the podcast Royce, to meet you it's uh yes. it's, really, it's really it's really it's really fantastic it's really funny and it's um unlike some podcasts they're, they're, <laughs> there's just no there's no it's really tight. I really like it. It's really, there are no dead spots. It's no, there's no oh, fat. You. It's really, it's just really funny and also warm and engaging and interesting. And to get all those elements into a podcast is really difficult. And we've achieved that here, of course. Yes, and of you, course. You achieve it there. So there we thank go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, stay well.
1: Yes, thanks. And I will um... not be going out. <laughs>
0: Stay out of comedy clubs. That's the the most dangerous thing, as Boris Johnson says.
1: Yes. Comedy clubs and theatre. Oh, dear. (laughs) Thank you so
0: much. Lots of love to you. Cheers.
1: Thanks, Nathan. Bye.
0: The absolutely wonderful
1: Evelyn Mock there.
0: Check out everything she's up to on Twitter, at Evelyn Mock. And you can get a longer version of this podcast on Patreon. So go to patron.com slash cassidy. you get loads of exclusive video and audio content. So the longer version of this, and you've got uh, on Tuesday's episode, which is the full video of the brilliant Erica Rhodes. Loads of exclusive audio and video content coming soon on Patreon.com for as little as £5 a month. Please support the podcast. It's really helpful at this time where nobody in this industry is earning anything. So thanks so much. That is our show for today. Please join us again on Saturday for more Psycomedy Daily. We're doing four more of these shows Saturday and next Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. And then we're doing some weekly specials in July before we go back to the normal Psycomedy episodes on Fridays in August. Please listen back on all these daily shows, all the main shows. Please give us a five-star review. Spread the word. Psycomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pod People Productions. Check out Psychomedy.co.uk. There's mental health tips from our counselling partner professionals at threadup.co.uk. And they're still offering free check-ins at this time. I'm Nathan Cassidy. Lots of love to you all. Stay healthy. Stay optimistic. Tune back in for more Psycomedy on Saturday. Pod People.